Well, I under I think I understand fire. I'm gonna say I think I understand. I can't tell you for sure, you know. But being working there for 30 years, I mean, and knowing their equipment, I mean, and and just it it's yeah. There's there's just I mean, it, it just came so ferociously and so rapidly. Yeah. That. You know, that's why I asked if you had any idea what time the fire started, because when it boils down to it, we think we left Honoyami at 4 o'clock, but we don't even know for sure. I mean, we didn't even like, look at our watches or anything. It's like, we didn't even know what time we left. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it was really soon after the fire trucks went up the road. <laughs> wow. So now you lived in Lahaina Town? On Lahaina Luna Road. Okay. Yes. How long have I lived there? Well, let me tell you that that the home is was from my mom and dad, which I was born and raised in. Wow. And then I moved away for like 10 years and moved back to Maui. And then my husband and I moved back into that home and we lived there for 40 years. 40 years. Yes. Born and raised there and yourself. Raised a family? I have no children. No children. Okay. No. But yeah. um, just him and I, home. you know, that's home. Yeah. And so that day, well, so before we even get there, you have a long um, history with the fire department. You've been a, you've been an administrator with the fire department for many years. Yes. Give me a little background about yourself. Well, a little background about myself. <laughs> yeah, with the fire department, I mean, your relationship with the fire department. You know, my philosophy there has always been from day one was to do whatever I could do to help our firefighters do their job. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they had needs and if they would come to the administration office, I mean, if it's something that I could help them with, I mean, whether it be professional or business I mean, or personal, you sure. know, with their children or sure. their families. I mean, I, I felt like that's why I was there. Um, I saw some firemen from when they came in so young. I mean, raise their families, you know, their children go off to college. I mean, it was more of a family thing. You know, everybody was so close, really, really close. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's one one part of the story that I've really been picking up over the last few days that I've been here is there's so many parallels between the Hawaiian culture, the 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 way of the island, if you will, here in Maui, and then in relation to and how it parallels really what the fire service stands for with family, brotherhood, sisterhood. Um, there's a lot of parallels between, um, which I, I find striking because in the aftermath of devastation, um, the sense of community and pride, picking one another up, people lending a hand, people dropping everything of their own to do what they can to their neighbor. Um, that seems to be um, not even a question. Okay, it's our lifestyle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like you would take the shirt off your back to go help your neighbor or, you know, if they need help or that's just how our culture is, I believe. I believe it. 
Yeah. I've seen it. I'm watching it firsthand through the conversations, through the people I'm meeting and talking with. Um, I'm, it's, um, it's refreshing to hear that because that's not the case in so many places these days. There's so much decisiveness. There's so much uh, division within a lot of our communities these days. Um, it, we've polarized people, the conversations. We've, um, and we, we lose track of the importance of community. I think, like, for me, a um, little story about myself growing up. My father was a firefighter. Uh, he was the mayor of my small town that I grew up in. So we had this sense of civic duty and civic pride. And I, I think that we are lacking that more than ever. Um, and yet I come here and through tragedy, maybe it's personified now more than ever. But I have to believe that that is the cultural belief here long before the fires came is that you looked out for one another and neighbors helping neighbors is an everyday occurrence. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And you carried that to the firehouse in the fire department. And the yes. fire department gave you that same sense of yes. family. I mean, it's my upbringing also. I mean, whatever. My parents raised me to work hard, be honest, put in your honest day's work. And if you can help someone, you know, by God, help them. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yes. yes. So take me back then to um, August 8th, um, the fires that occurred. Um, I know that they were dealing with multiple fires around the island. Um, you yourself, knowing the fire department and their capabilities, and be, before we even started, you, you know, I had asked you a question about something that was important to you uh, that you wanted to say, and you, you talked about the abilities of the fire department. We're going to get to that, and, and you knowing the abilities of the fire department. But the fires themselves, um, I had heard that you had seen it very early on the yeah. beginning stages of this. I, I believe yeah. that's what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, can we backtrack a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. Okay. Please. On August 8th, that was a Tuesday, and that's my day to leave Makawao, leave this house to go home. Okay. I come and spend Sunday, Monday nights up here with my dad. Nice. When I woke up Tuesday morning, all I saw was a glow up on the mountain up here with the fire yeah. going, you know? But it was really, really windy, and I stayed up here till about 1 o'clock. Then I went home, drove home to my husband. He yeah. was home all day without electricity. Okay. And when I was getting into Lahaina, I know it had to have been almost 2 o'clock. I still saw, like, Engine 3 maybe and Tanker 3 up on the hill from the morning fire, but no smoke. I didn't okay. see no smoke whatsoever. So I made the turn from the bypass and I came down the road, which I live on the main road. And because there was no electricity, I actually went in the house to take a shower early. And I was done with my shower and I came out. Well, no, I was whatever, done with my shower. And I heard the fire trucks go up the road. And I guess being from living with fire service for all these years, no matter what, I always go outside and I am nosy and I am a hoy and I look up the road. Yeah. And when I looked up the road, all I saw was fire, big fire and pretty close already. You know, I mean, I can't tell you maybe 
500 yards maybe away. Um, so I came into the house and I told my husband, I says, you know, we need to leave. I mean, it's the wind and, and just orange smoke. It's like, by the time I went back in the house, our smoke alarms were going off. In the home? In the home. Wow. Yes. Um, there's been vegetation fires before, for sure. And of course, over all your years as an administrator with the department and so on, you're certainly aware of some larger scale fires that have happened. Have you ever seen or sensed anything like that before? Never, never that urgency. Back in 2018, and I'm not sure if you heard about yeah, that. I'm fire. familiar, yes. You know, um, that was a very, very large fire, too. However, it wasn't as rapid moving, I believe. Yeah. It, it, it was really long, but the department, I think, had time to stage in certain areas to protect the structures, right. the homes that were being threatened. Right. But they had, they're, they're, I mean, just looking at that, I just get all chicken skin. It's like they, there's no way they would ever stop this fire that was just, just coming. It was a force. I mean, yeah. just and huge. And for you to think automatically that we need to get out. We need to leave. We need to leave. We're not going to. Yeah, we need to leave. I mean, and yet I know that um, our friends in our neighborhood had left already. They were, you know, when I was outside, they were all jumping in their cars, our, our immediate neighbors to leave, you know. So by the time I went in the house and, and I just told them we need to leave, we grabbed our cat and we started evacuating down Lahaina Luna Road, which was disaster. I mean, just the congestion of vehicles. Everybody fleeing. You know, it, it's like you're just inching and you're courteous. You want to let a car in and then you go and down the road, you let another car in. And while we're evacuating... Just black smoke. You would think it was midnight at night wow. where you can't see where you're going. Um, just an urgency of everybody trying to bottleneck down to Front Street. You know, there was fire on the right and left of us already when we were leaving home. I mean, maybe 200 yards down the road. I mean, Pownal was all on fire. Houses on the right were starting to burn, you know, so we're driving through this and we're just thankful that we made it. We couldn't turn right or left on Honuapi Lani Highway. We had to go straight down to Front Street. I pity the police officers that were at Lahaina Luna Road. I mean, they had no, no masks, no protective gear. They're out there in all this smoke. Yeah. Um, but... Everybody just helter-skelter, you know, inch, inch their way down. And we were thankful. We made it through power lines down, um, aluminum roofs just flopping in the wind. We were able to go left. And we had a plan with our neighbors to meet them at Wyola Church. That was our meeting place. Yeah. So it, it was another couple. And... By the time we were coming up Prison Street, we made it to Front Street, coming up Prison Street, Ainanalu was fully engulfed, just fully engulfed. So we were able to eventually make it to Waiola, and we stayed there. 
watching the fire. You know, it, the wind was blowing opposite, yeah, towards Kaanapali way. So we weren't like getting smoke or anything where we were. And we watched the fire maybe for a half hour or so. And as it was getting closer to the swimming pool area, we looked at each other and I looked at them and I says, you know what, we need to leave. We, we can't stay here. I mean, that fire is coming. So we got in our cars and we evacuated towards Puamana, up Lanipoko Road. And my husband was determined to go home. Yeah. So instead of turning right to go to Wailuku or Kahului, we turned left on the bypass road. And there were hundreds of cars. You know, everybody was watching the fire. So we were inching our way, inching our way until we got to almost Hokiokio. And I don't know if this was like at nine o'clock at night already you know, four or five hours later. But anyway, um, the police, four police officers came with their vehicles, adamantly told us, you need to evacuate Lahaina now, move it. I mean, it's like, move it. So everybody started turning around in an orderly manner and we all got chased out of Lahaina. And that is when we we wound up here. And of course, there's no cell service, you know. Well, I was going like, to ask you about that. There's nobody we could call. At one point or another, when I was at Waiola Church, I could get a hold of my brother just briefly. It was just the hello, I'm okay, and we cut off service, you know. But nobody had cell service. And, you know, backtracking also, there is something else that was really important to, to, to us, we think. We had no warnings. Absolutely no warnings. Other than that fire trucks going up the road. I was ask you about that. No sirens, no police, anybody going through neighborhoods, like nothing. So, you know, the older people that live in Lahaina, I, I mean, it's it's like they had no notice. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be nosy and go out the the road in the wind and go look and see what's what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's my only downfall of this whole situation is just no no emergency notification. The speed in which that fire consumed. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to the most seasoned firefighters, I don't think it um, mattered. Rationally, you could envision fire consuming at that pace. At that pace. I mean, at the winds. I mean, the winds was. Yeah. When you when you dis, when you made that immediate decision to evacuate with your husband, mm-hmm. and you you left together. We um, did. Did you have this sense that it was going to be all consuming? I did. You did. I did. Because I've never seen fire like that in a residential area. Yeah. I mean, brush is brush, you know, and brush burns. Sure. And the department has time to put up a fire line or, you know, it's like they had no time to do anything. Right. 
Absolutely nothing. I mean, it breaks my heart to think that they endangered their lives in the neighborhoods, burning their trucks, their lives. I mean, it's, you know, that, that's really, really sad. Yeah. The stories from which we're, we're hearing and, and the conversations that we're having. Heroism, for sure. Um, no firefighter will tell you that, you know, it's just another day at the office, if you will. That, but no. <laughs> but I'll tell you. Not it, that day. Not that day. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what I was getting at, right? Um, you know, it, we can only be taught so much in our playbooks and through training and so on. But a day like that, um, mm-hmm. man, it's, uh, it's a reactive. There's nothing proactive about it. Um, in, in just in the, the time in which it consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, Lahaina town itself um, was an older town. Very. The infrastructure was older. The buildings were all joined together. Yeah. They were all wood. Most of them were wooden structures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the area is not shy to vegetation fires. So it's, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, I think everything that day came together for just a, an unbearable firestorm. Uh-huh. Um, for you, um, when you were fleeing with your husband, um, understanding that you might not be able to come back to your home, as you, as you said, were you at any time fearing for your own lives, your own safety? You know, I felt for our lives when while we were evacuating, yeah. only because all we heard was pop and booms and, I mean, things exploding, things hitting our vehicle yeah. while we're, you know, trying to evacuate. Just that initial evacuation period from our home to Front Street, I don't know, did it take us an hour, 45 minutes? It, it was just, you know, inching and inching and inching. I mean, yeah. we couldn't get out of there fast enough. Right. That's how we felt. Yeah. You know, Tracks. I could feel the heat in the vehicle. Yeah. You know, and when you look around you at two sides, it's like, oh, my God, it's burning there. We have to hurry. We, you know, it's like, and you can't hurry. You can't. I mean, we just couldn't. Making those decisions, um, I can't imagine making decisions like that under the duress that you were under. I mean, you know, do I stay? Do I not go? You know, do I go back to check on it? Do we continue to evacuate? Worrying about friends, family. I mean, you live there for a very long time. And the, the, one, the one story that keeps coming to light is, you know, when we talk about um, community, uh, generational community, you know, born and raised in that home and then and then living there yourself for many years, um, that was a, um, that was your safe place. Yeah. That was home. It was. Yeah. And still today, we still look at each other and we still say, let's go home. We want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's our home. I mean, we left there with the clothes on our backs. Everything else stayed. I mean, pictures, you know, I mean, just... Everything. Everything stayed. Yeah. We, and if we didn't leave with just the clothes on our backs, we probably wouldn't have made it. That's, you know, a decision yes. that, that you, we had to make at that point in time. And to leave together. Yeah. I mean, to have one there was another. no way that I was going to separate. So I left my truck in the garage, you know. Which was a... It, it's okay. Yeah. 
it's a material thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Um, to have one another, to embrace one another, hold hands on the way out, believing and trusting uh, in your partnership. And I mean, I, I part of the some of the conversations I've been having today is, you know, how firefighters manage um, their whole life when in the face of destruction like that and tragedy where they're providing so much for others and yet their own families could be in the path. Oh, yeah. And hearing how many homes were lost and family Our members lost. Lost like, their homes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's a very hard conversation, um, hearing, some of the, hearing some of those stories. Um, it's not easy. can't be easy. I don't, uh, you know, for you to sit here today with me and to share a little bit of your story, um, I'm humbled and honored to be sitting with you and to know that you're here safe with your husband. Um, you know how thankful we are that we have a place to call home. I mean, yeah. we're not moving from hotel to a 60-day place. Or, I mean, I feel for all these other families that have no place to go. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, we both feel so thankful and fortunate that my dad, whatever, we can live with my dad permanently. Yeah. You know? That is a big part of the conversation. And um, a lot of, you know, through the relationships we're making here over the last few days and as the week goes on, as we're going to be here, um, that is that cultural piece that keeps sticking out to me is that um, that generational trust in, in their own families and the, 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 the togetherness, the looking out for one another. Um, that's a big part of this. Um, to be able to have that, uh, immeasurable. Uh, how, do you, how do you measure that? Um, so I'm grateful for you that you have that. And, and I think a big part of the story, though, is how many people are struggling on the, the physical side. It's not the emotional scars and the emotional trauma that you're all dealing with is going to be here for a long time to come, for sure. The physical pain um, is there for most, but many don't have a place to go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we think whatever. We're so thankful every day that we have a place, you know, and this house is all equipped. I mean, it has whatever. It's sure. It, it has everything. It's not like we have to start from scratch and go out. We needed to go buy clothes. Sure. You know, but I mean, even that, I mean, you remember Corrine Amos? Yeah. She, she came from Oahu and brought me like two duffel bags of clothes. Wow. So that's what I'm wearing. It's yeah. like, you know, I really haven't, I just don't feel like going out and, and, and doing like shopping. I understand you. I yeah. don't. I, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. You know, we have good friends. We have our family. And we're thankful that we're not having to be in a hotel or a, go look for somewhere to rent at such high high rental rates here on Maui. Sure. You know? Yeah. And at our age, whew, to start all over? Yeah. Sorry. You're going to ask me the question if we're ever going to go back to our property? I was going to get there, <laughs> but I know the, I think I know the answer. I think I know the answer. We're Do I know the answer? We're never going to go. You're never going to go. I don't intend to sell the property. We had no mortgage. I mean, whatever, we own the house outright. We're, we'll never, we will never rebuild on that piece of property. 
because of the potential of it happening again. I mean, we live in a residential area. However, we are surrounded by, by feral lands. Yeah. Until the next time. We just can't, we, we cannot do it at our age. We will not do it that. Okay. I was wrong. Why, you thought we would go back? Okay, you would. I'm too, we're too old to build a new home. I mean, you know, realistically, honestly, and I could be wrong, are we looking at five years? That's the unknown right now, right? The conversation of what the rebuild, the, the revitalization exactly. is going to look like. Exactly. I mean, I know right now you can't even get back to the to the area. Mm-hmm. It's uh, cordoned off and they have a, the mm-hmm. cleanups are still underway and and so on. So I know it's a long arduous road ahead for sure. Yeah. You know, we're fortunate. We have had pictures of our property, you know, so we know what it looks like. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just ash. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing when you think about it, you know, the intensity of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And how long it burned. I don't understand fire that much, Amos, but it had to have burned for hours. The the temperatures in which a firestorm produces a fire th- of that magnitude with those type of conditions creates its own environment. And um, it's it's all consuming. Anything and everything in its path is consumed. Um and it's uh, it, it defies logic in many reasons. People, even firefighters, we have a hard time understanding. We're, we were talking about this earlier, talking about the, you know, it, it really does defy logic in many ways. And trying to understand it um, is challenging for many. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at pictures of the whole neighborhood. I mean, there's no way our department could, could, could take a stand anywhere to protect. I, I, I don't believe... They, they could. Yeah. You know, you, you said before, this is that part of coming back to that conversation. Um, you said you heard the sirens and I wanted to peek out. I wanted to see my department, your department. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, sure. look, I still have that in me where, okay, where are they going? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And listening to you with all your years with the department, I mean, you talked huh? about, you know, you talked some operational, you know, considerations and firefighting early on in our conversation. So you certainly have a an understanding after 30 years of the fire department about, you know, some operational level things. And so for you to see that in the conditions that were there present that day, um, you had said to me that there was nothing they could do. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I believe that. And, you know, I, 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 I hope and pray that more people will believe that also, yeah. you know, I think it's really bad. I mean, if, if comments or negativity, you know, I mean, it's like they're only trained and they only have the equipment that they have. And and with a fire of that intensity, there's nothing they could do. Absolutely. The, the largest fire department in the world would. No matter how much water they Absolutely. had, no matter how much. Yeah, exactly. You would you not know. have been able to make a stand. No. Not consumed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. From all directions, too, it seems. 
How important is that for you to be protective of that department you love so much? Very important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful I got to work there for 30 years. Family. You know? Yeah. Family. I am. I'm very, very thankful. Well, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you um, making these um, relationships and and friendships along the way this week. Um, It's just sitting down with you and and hearing a little bit of your story. Man, I'll tell you, um, you're strong. You're strong. You have to be. Yeah. I have my moments. I'm sure. I'm sure. But then I try to gather myself and say, you know, how thankful we are. We're alive. Yeah. We are alive. We made it. Yeah. There's so many other people that did not make it. And that's so sad. It is. You know? It is. Um, It's so sad. Notification, banging on doors, getting people alerted. You know, like you said, if you didn't hop, pop your head out and see where your department was going, you you would have been behind. That is correct, and that is true. Uh-huh. It's that instinct. Yeah. You heard the chop, you heard the siren. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like I go on the alley outside. It's like, what's going on? Where they're going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I'm sure it wasn't easy to chat with me today about this and to talk about it, but maybe it's part of the process. I don't, I don't know for you, but the healing um, process. Maybe, maybe. You know, um, I'm grateful though, um, and to share your story with our community um, is super important. I think because we need to tell the stories of what happened here, um, coming straight from the people that it happened to. And that way we protect the truth and, and the legacy of yourself and your husband um, and the, the residents and the many, many people that loved Lahaina Town like they have. So thank you for spending some time with me today. You're welcome. I appreciate that very much. You're welcome.